0: This week on the Sport Blokes.
1: This week, we've reached the back half of the NBL Cup. The Aussie Cricketers' hopes are dashed not once but twice. Six-sixes are 36. And we discuss some of the key talking points from the AFL Community
0: Series. Let's see if we can keep it under an hour.
1: No chance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Stewie, as we do at the top every week, What we'll caught your attention. What would you miss? Well, a
1: couple of things caught my attention this week. The first of which was some of the purest of pure hitting from West Indian Curran Pollard against Uh, Sri Lanka. They played a T20 at Cool Ridge in Antigua. The Windies were chasing a pretty modest total, 9 for 131. They got off to an absolute flyer, 18 off the first over from Evan Lewis. Mm. But Akilah D'Ananjaya got rid of Lewis, Chris Gale and Nicholas Purin in three balls for what looked like an absolute match-changing hat-trick. In walks Curran Pollard. Doesn't even really get his eye in that well. He's two off four. Okay. So he's had a couple of siders really. Well, you know, And then be he, forgiven. And then he goes mental. <laughs> <laughs> he's just walloped six massive sixes off Dan and Joy's next over. So imagine that taking a hat trick and then conceding 36 off your next it over. Sounds like
0: it was a great match to have seen. It yeah.
1: really was. So he's joined Yulvaraj Singh as the only guy to achieve that feat in T twenties and Herschel Gibbs as well in doing it internationally. Interestingly enough, all three of those guys actually played for the Mumbai Indians in the IPL.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really weird coincidence.
1: So, yeah, just, I just thought that was a, a pretty random thing, but some oh, amazing, like like amazing, amazing hitting from Pollard. So he ended up being out for 38 off eleven.
0: 11. So well, he did his job. He though. did his job. They got the win.
1: Now, the other thing that caught my attention was uh, Aussie the Eagle going rogue. So for anyone who doesn't know who Aussie is, he's the official mascot of the West Coast Eagles. And over the weekend at the AFLW Derby, he kind of lost his mind
0: a little bit. Hold on. Hold on. You call it Derby? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, I mean, Are you the only West Aussie that doesn't call it Derby? Sometimes I do. Sometimes yeah, no, I don't. Fair enough. Like, do do you know what?
1: Next time I say it, I'll probably call it Derby. Yeah, but... no,
0: that's, I'm cool with that. I'll just, there you go. Ah, look. I'm... Yeah.
1: Got the roots back in the UK. Yeah, no, it fine.
0: Well, we had a bloke at the pub on the weekend telling us off for calling it Derby. So, yeah there you go yeah sorry no that's That's okay
1: but no he's he's gone a little bit silly I, I say he i don't know if it's a male or a female quite no, frankly true. i assume yes. it's a male but uh went a little bit silly didn't return to the field as was expected and eventually had to be gang tackled and recaptured by one of their handlers so Jeez. not uh not great performance was about as good as the eagles women's team as well they got beaten <laughs> 75 to 8 by the women's yes, Dockers team which was sure uh is. was pretty impressive so how about yourself mate
0: well, I've just got to say that reminds me of of the hawks flying around India when we were at the World Cup in twenty eleven. And do you remember the stadium in Bangalore? There were hawks constantly circling. It was a very unsettling feeling, constantly circling. And that was only a few days after we saw a hawk swoop a lady at, at one of the forts, at yeah. one of the places we went to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, like they're, she's okay. they're dangerous animals when they go rogue. Like well, Bangalore
1: Stadium in general was a bit of a, a rough experience. Well, they wouldn't and... even
0: let us in with bloody sunscreen. That's a story for another time. Just
1: in case that sunscreen is vodka or something. Yeah, oh, f- I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyways, mate, sorry. Taking things off course a little bit nice and early here. But uh, yeah, there's been so much going on. So the Pittsburgh Penguins in in the NHL were photoshopping masks onto crowd members oh, to look like that. better, <laughs> better <laughs> citizens. Uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield said he saw a UFO while driving with his wife near Austin, Texas. But In honour of it being International Women's Day yesterday, I thought I'd highlight a few kind of female performances that caught my attention and and some bits and pieces that were were noteworthy. So we've spoken previously about the strides being made with respect to women coaching and umpiring or refereeing in men's sport, being given prominent positions in boards and ownership and that sort of thing. Uh, I wanted to highlight in the AFLW, Gemma... Houghton kicked a bag of five in that massive win over the Eagles that you talked about. It was a fantastic performance. Daniel Ponta had four for Adelaide. A lot of lopsided scores in the AFLW over the weekend, actually. Oh, another thing that caught my attention, Stewie, was Laurie Chiswick on the huddle with Liam Santamaria, who was the first ever female assistant coach in the NBL 20 years ago. And it's a really interesting interview. It's a fascinating story. So she came over to Australia 30 years ago to play. She only anticipated being here for a year. And 30 years later, she's still around and she was an assistant coach on that really good Victoria Titans team with Brian Gorgon. And so, yeah, that was a really interesting um, interview. Definitely worth listening to. And she tells a funny story about how when she was like doing ball retrieval for shoot-arounds, all the players would say thank you. But they wouldn't say it to any other coach. And she's like, "Guys, just treat me normal. You don't have to be polite and say thank you." And then later on, she tells the story about Ben Pepper telling her to get fucked, basically.
1: See, I, I would have, th- <laughs> see, I would have definitely thought it would have been Frank Drewick.
0: <laughs> no, it was Ben Pepper. Dr- Drim- but, but Gorge oh, told yeah. her. Gorge actually specifically told her to drill him really hard because he was coming back from injury and he wanted him to get into good physical shape, into fitness. So, but she was. She actually said that that was great because that's when she knew she arrived. When she started being treated normally, like the 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 men the men coaches, the one I wanted to finish with was Candace Parker absolutely schooling Shaq <laughs> on Inside the NBA on TNT. <laughs> he had absolutely no idea, and she gave a beautiful explanation about the importance of switching and perimeter play in modern NBA that he has
1: clearly no idea about. What do you mean? Had no idea. He has, has no yeah, idea. Yeah. He he's he's got to be the worst analyst. Oh, he's he terrible.
0: he's terrible. And 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 kind of as a result of that story, um, it came out that he fell asleep during a game that he then had to comment on. I afterwards. saw that. Yeah.
1: Snoring his yeah. head off.
0: Yeah. So, like, look, fantastic player back in the day, one of the greatest ever centers in the history of the NBA. Absolute shithouse commentator or analyst. Like, sometimes less is more. They'll be paying him an absolute mint. And Kenny Charles and Ernie would be way better than... He, he can't even understand what he's saying. He mumbles the whole time. And then in interviews, he tells players that, oh, yeah, I don't think you're that good. And like, he's just yeah. shit.
1: Uh, Donovan Mitchell is good. I'll yeah, tell you that. very good. <laughs> I'll tell you that yeah, much. Yeah,
0: very good. So, yeah, so so that was cool too, to see uh, um, a very informed and talented woman put a man in his place. And she would be much better on that panel than he would. Absolutely. Full time, yeah. And of course, Shaq, you know, that was after he was in a little wrestling thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah he uh, he was involved in a a tag team match and Cody Rhodes decided that he was basically going to destroy Shaq he was supposed to be out of the ring instead of that he basically did like a a cross body and and put Shaq through a table (laughs) people underestimate seriously how hard it is to do that sort of stunt when you're not a trained professional like Shaq's done a little bit of wrestling he's kind of dabbled but because he's huge he's got away with a lot of stuff but he's 48 now like mm-hmm. those bumps and bruises take oh, a lot longer yeah, to work them. themselves yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. take it from a 37 year old who had to give up basketball already because of that sort of stuff. And he's got 11 years on me.
0: All oh, right. The older I get, the more I marvel at players like LeBron who are still going. What'd you miss, mate?
1: Well, to be honest, I missed pretty much all the live sport over the weekend. My family and the family of one of our good friends from high school had a weekend away in Busselton. Again, Again, shout out to, yeah, uh, yeah. to Southwest WA and, Internet, and the tourism Internet. WA. But yeah, we spent a good amount of time between some of the amazing breweries and activities for the kids. So I managed to catch a little bit of the carnage in the 15-20 between the Aussies and New Zealand. But aside from that and a little bit of the NBL Cup, I didn't see a whole lot else, sadly. So I had to catch up a lot. What did you miss, Nath?
0: Well, I missed a little bit of the second quarter between the Eagles and Dockers because some clown in the bar in their infinite wisdom decided to change the channel to an old classic rugby match during the Derby. It's almost a sin punishable by death in this city. Uh, so I actually missed a few minutes of that match because it took them that long to get their shit together.
1: Who was playing?
0: I don't know. It was some match from Good Friday 1995 or something. Like, so, I I, I so didn't cool. even pay attention because I was that annoyed. So it's probably the Sharks and the Eels. Maybe. So as we get to the pointy end of the NBL Cup, Shui, we thought we'd look at the NBL once again. And it's been a funny old season. The Wildcats played pretty much exclusively Victorian teams before they played anyone else. They've already played the South Melbourne Phoenix five times and haven't even played Adelaide or New Zealand yet. But these are the schedules we have in COVID times, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it has been a really weird season so far. I mean, look, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, you'd rather play one team 20 times than play no one. Yeah, well, that's so, right. Yeah, we'll give us so something isn't. to watch. And look, we'll be playing Adelaide and New Zealand next. Those we, are we, us, indeed. the yeah. only two games that are left in the... Delightful Melbourne Cup,
0: <laughs> <laughs> as you accidentally called. Last yes, week.
1: <laughs> the uh, no, the NBL
0: Cup. Yes. yes, yes. So most teams have played six games now, with a couple left.
1: So I guess we have reached the the pointy end of this. We, there's only two games left for most teams. There's actually only four teams left that can actually win it as well. Uh, the Wildcats, Brisbane, and Melbourne United are probably the three most likely. So Perth are sitting five and one. Brisbane and Melbourne United sitting at four and two. Yeah. So. It's, it has been interesting. I'm incredibly surprised and obviously delighted with how well the Wildcats have played yes. over there. Yes, yep. Uh, it's, you know, it's a weird one. I mean, How have they got to where they've got? Bryce Cotton has been Bryce Cotton. He's leading the league in scoring. He's drawing fouls with the little leg kick he does. You know, he's doing his thing. <laughs> no, look, it's something I've kind of, I'm, I'm realising more and more as I go, is that he does get a lot of Oh, clubs. he does for Reggie Miller, yeah. Yeah, yep. But look, John Mooney's been an absolute double-double machine. 17 and a half points, 11 rebounds a game over the season. And knocking down threes. Yeah, sixth in the league in field goal percentage at 59%. 63% from three. Yeah. Insane.
0: Yeah. Well, he picks his spots. He doesn't force it.
1: Yeah, there's actually almost been times when I, I feel like he should actually take more. Well, maybe, yeah. The guys aren't really respecting him, which is very surprising. But the other real key that I've found is you know, something that a lot of the commentators have picked up on. With the exception of the loss to Brisbane, every game that Todd Blanchfield scored 12 yes. or more, the Wildcats have won. Yes. And when he scored less than 12, the Wildcats lose. Yep. But look, the Wildcats are first in the league in assists. They're first in the league for fewest turnovers, best offense in the league, fourth best defense, and it's getting better as the games go by. They're absolutely blowing expectations out of the water in terms of what they're going to be.
0: Well, as you said to Alex when we interviewed him a few weeks ago, sometimes these experiences like getting in a bubble or having a little tournament can actually galvanize a team. And it seems to have done that for the Wildcats. And then when you look at teams like Cairns and Adelaide, it's maybe done the opposite. The Wildcats are one blown Jesse Wagstaff layup away from eight and three, which is second on the ladder, seven and four instead. I do got to say though, the Wildcats have been very lucky. Oh, absolutely. Melbourne without Chris Goulding, Southeast Melbourne without Sykes.
1: And obviously Kyle Adam had a shot at the buzzer to win that well, game. Well, yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah. Which yeah. Really and He
0: played out of his skin in that game. He was absolutely magnificent. Cairns without Deng. I even feel like I might be missing another one. So the Wildcats have been very lucky. They've played teams that have been underdone. Oh, yeah.
1: Everyone's played us without Plumley. so.
0: Well, yeah, look, you, you, you can only play the team in, in front of you. Yeah, no, exactly. But it's, it is something to keep in mind. On the flip side, Melbourne, to be 10-2, and two, to have Goulding out for all that time, but also Illy, like they've had a few injuries. Now Hobson's injured. Melbourne have done bloody well, considering. They're so deep.
1: They are. So a couple of other teams, I guess. We'll start off with the Illawarra Hawks. They have all of a sudden come crashing back down to earth. Deng Adell was supposed to be the superstar of this MVP. league. He's a bust.
0: Yeah. An absolute bust. They started 4-0, and so they're 3-6 and since then. Not good.
1: So Tyler Harvey's been pretty inconsistent with his shot. Justin Simon's been great defensively, but he can't shoot to save himself. Cam Besto is their third-leading scorer. That's not a good sign.
0: Yeah, he's probably a bit past him. He it, is. Yeah.
1: Emmett Nah was supposed to take a massive leap this year, but he's buried on the bench. Really, for me, the big shining light for them is Justinian Jessup. He's and cl- even
0: he's cooled down. So he exploded out of the gates. His stats look good, but his last few games haven't been that good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I dare say my preseason pick of them making the grand final ain't going to happen.
0: Well, it's not looking good at this stage. I think Gorgian's still trying to work out his rotation. Mm. I heard Gaze on an NBL podcast the other day saying that there was a time when they had 10 players in the first quarter.
1: Yeah.
0: Like a team with a solid rotation will not normally play 10. I think he even said 11 players. Like, that's crazy.
1: But that is a lot, yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then probably the only bigger disappointment for me is New Zealand. Yeah. The Websters have absolutely done their thing. Ty's averaging 21 points a game, Corey at 18.
0: And they had that game where they combined for over 60. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But as we spoke about with Alex Loughton a couple of weeks ago, Rob Lowe was a huge loss for them. Yes. And then when you consider that the Breakers were getting nearly 20 a game from Scotty Hobson last year, and he's been replaced with Lamar Patterson, who's under 11. And
0: is now injured.
1: And is now injured. Yep. He wasn't even starting as well. No, no, I
0: know. Know.
1: Like you wonder if a decision needs to be made sooner rather than later on him.
0: Well, they've played better without him. They have. Yeah.
1: I mean, at three and seven, their season's almost done. As yeah, it is. pretty
0: much. Yeah.
1: And on top yeah. of that, one of their key bench guys, in Jared Weeks, hasn't been getting much playing time at all. So the energy that their bench usually gets with him isn't there. So yeah. they
0: should get an injury replacement for Rob Lowe. Jonah Bolden's still knocking around. Is he playing for anyone? He'd be an interesting little pickup for them. Be
1: a very good pick Yeah, up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, it's possible... I haven't done my research. It's possible he's playing in Europe or something, but there was rumours he was going to come to the Wildcats for a while there. So, yeah, he'd be a good player to be looking at, mm. definitely, if they can.
1: I mean, is there anyone else you can think of? Uh For me, it kind of seems like everyone else is where I thought they'd be, but...
0: Well, obviously I was really big on Cam Oliver and Cairns and both have been disappointing. Cam Oliver's looked a bit out of sorts, really. Like, I've seen every team play at least three times. I've obviously seen South East Melbourne a lot of times because they've played the Wildcats <laughs> a lot. But I've also seen a lot of Cairns games as well because I wanted to prep for our interview with Alex. And yeah, Cam Oliver has not been the same player he was last season and that's probably a very large part why they're not. Obviously, they're missing Newball as well. That was a pretty big and important uh, player to not have on your team anymore. Um, the other one for me is Brisbane. you know they're coming good at the moment and they're they're on fire actually. They're the form team of the competition. so they're only a game above 500 but as you say they're in in the running for the NBL Cup and there's every reason to believe that they'll still on an upwards path. Vic Law's looking really good uh, and as, as is his mustache. Did you see that <laughs> interview where like every answer, kept coming back to his moustache no, i didn't. <laughs> I can't remember if it was narrowly or narrowly meadows or jenny screen who was interviewing him but like every answer he kept bringing it back to oh we've all grown out our moustaches i don't think they've lost since they've no. grown out their moustaches no. wow. so, yeah, and, and
1: look nathan Sobey for me oh he's he's an mvp candidate he
0: he is absolutely yeah well he's he's got a big chip on his shoulder for missing the boomers camp i think yep yeah And I don't know how much flexibility there is with that, but they need to look at changing that, especially if Bryce gets citizenship too. I'm right there with you on New Zealand. I I can't remember if I picked him in the playoffs. I don't think I picked him in the playoffs, but I thought that'd be a lot better than what they have been. Weird start to the season. We've talked about Rob Lowe going home, which is completely fair enough. Corey Webster missed the start of the season because he put a knife through his hand, cutting an avocado. (laughs) Like of all the weird injuries to derail a season...
1: (laughs) And I keep telling people. I keep warning them about avocados.
0: <laughs> They're terrible. Uh, I, yeah. Look, I'm not a massive fan. I do eat them, but that's I'm like not a massive wet fan. cardboard. Yeah, it's not the most tasty thing in the world. Yeah. So their season didn't, and he's playing all right since then. Hmm. But I think that contributed to their slow start, not having him around. Yeah. So
1: I suppose that's the the teams that we've looked at. Are there any players that have maybe jumped out at you a bit?
0: Well, obviously, I've watched the Wildcats more than anyone. Luke Travis has been a little bit disappointing. He's been very
1: disappointing. I don't me. know
0: if I don't know if it's the the burden of of starting. Maybe as a teenager, maybe that maybe Gleason threw him into the starting lineup too early. He actually came out of the starting lineup on the weekend in that massive win against the Hawks. He was he was starting and then only playing like six minutes. Mm. So yeah, obviously, super young long way to go for him and there's still plenty of optimism, but he, I I think unfortunately his confidence is a bit shot, but then on the other side of the coin for the Wildcats, Corey Sherville has been excellent. He's not putting up huge numbers, but he makes the most of his opportunity every time he hits the court, taking some, Big rebounds, hit some big shots. He's been excellent.
1: Yeah, he and Young Besto as well. I think both of them have, have been very good off the bench. But no, I, I do those two off the bench have been very, very big surprises for me. So I, I'm completely with you there. Kyle Adam's probably the big one that stands oh, yeah, out. Yeah, he's been excellent. He has been superb. You know, as somebody who is vertically challenged, yes. I completely understand the challenges that he goes through as someone who looks like he's twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but he constantly makes good plays. He's got a really good assist to turnover ratio. He gets these really tough turnaround shots. He's obviously used to shooting over taller players. He had a franchise record 13 assists the other day in a spanking of the Hawks. He's keeping Adam Gibson off the court. Now I know Gibbo is a little bit long in the tooth, but yep, yep. but he's still, he's taking most of his minutes away and he's done a really great job of covering for Kiefer Sykes while he's been out with injury. So I think Adnum's been a, a really, really big one, probably the most improved player in the entire competition for me.
0: Well, I've been a massive fan of his since day one when the NBA XMBL, you know, he, he was excellent in that first series and he's he's not he's fearless. He will take any challenge head on. And that's yep. the great thing about Adnum. A bit like Sobey in that way.
1: And then I suppose we spoke about him a little bit earlier on, but Lamar Patterson has been absolutely horrible this season. Mm. As I say, 11 points a game, 37% shooting. He's, you know, he's not exactly been doing a a particularly great job. And the fact is that in Delaney and 66-year-old Thomas Abercrombie are taking all of his minutes. (laughs) I saw Abercrombie had 39 minutes in the last game. Well, he's
0: still playing all right. He he is, but geez, when's he
1: going to slow down?
0: Josh Kitty is an obvious one. Dian Vasiljevic has been absolutely magnificent for the Kings.
1: i said he should have been in the roster for the Boomers. Well, maybe
0: he should. Maybe he should. And he's got to be a lock for Rookie of the Year, I would oh, think. easy. Um, but the other one for them is Jordan Hunter. I really like his play for the Kings. Okay. He's, he's looked really good. He had a lovely dunk the other day. So did Matty Hodgson. How was that? Done? Oh. That was magnificent. Some great photos taken. That's, that that's,
1: well. that's your poster, right? Yeah, and
0: just when he thought that Cam Oliver one couldn't be topped. That, that one... It's pretty was, close, uh, yeah. He had a big game, too. He nearly had a 30 in that game. Mm-hmm. Brisbane are in really good form. But yeah, Hunt was really good. He actually reminds me a bit of Julian Kazoo. He even looks a I bit was like... just it. about to yeah, say the kazoo. facial hair, the curly hair. Like, they look very similar.
1: That is uncanny. Yeah. I was yeah. just about... And we have—we didn't even discuss no, this no, before we, haven't we recorded. No, like, no, no. Like, usually we'll chat about these things, but that was one I... I I, that came to my mind. <laughs> well, Kazoo was an MVP, wasn't he?
0: Uh, well, he was probably first team All-NBL. Yeah, he might have been. he was an MVP. Anyway,
1: he was a very good player. Yeah, so yeah, he was. Hopefully he Hunter was. keeps going down. Yeah, this. yeah,
0: no, Hunter's been excellent.
1: We do want to take a couple of minutes to talk about some of the rules that we're uh, less than happy with. <laughs> but you uh, did want to talk a little bit about some of the roster changes.
0: Yeah, so in addition to the injuries to Patterson, Hobson, and Sykes that I mentioned earlier, Majok Deng as well. Isaac Humphreys is a big out for Adelaide and probably a reason why they might be done. There might be time to put a line through them. It's a real shame because he was playing super well for them. You'd think that they could weather it because they actually have a pretty tall team and they have some good tall players, but he's out four to six weeks. That's big. Yeah, and they lost to like something like 44 to New Zealand. They had a massive loss to New Zealand, so they're not looking good. Well,
1: they had back-to-back first quarters where they gave up more than 30 and scored less than 10 themselves. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not a good team when they're trailing. No. I think I saw somewhere that in their last eight games, they've lost seven of their first quarters and drawn one. So they struggle in those first quarters and they're playing catch-up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess the intrigue with them is Brandon Paul coming in. So that's the key transaction in addition to the rumoured New Zealand one. We don't know who that will be yet.
1: Shock horror, Donald Sloan didn't last the season. Yeah, no,
0: yeah. We could see that coming from a mile away, couldn't we? Uh, but Brandon Paul's an upgrade big time. Mm. He's got a bit of NBA experience and was decent in the NBA. Yeah, so, well, with your San Antonio Spurs. So I think that's good for Adelaide. I guess that's where the intrigue will lie. But also, Josh Giddy. I remember Gaze at the start of the season described him as a poor, poor, poor man's Luka Doncic. And I kind of scoffed at that until I saw him play. And he stuffs the stat sheet. He is very good at passing. So, so he really is, and he did say to his credit, Poor, Poor, Poor's man. He didn't just say poor man, yeah. but like he's a very exciting young player. So, I do still like watching our late games for that reason alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been a little bit up and down, probably not shooting the ball quite as amazingly as we'd like. Oh, but, and he's a teenager. But he'll yeah. get Exactly. Yeah. He'll, he'll get there. We've seen enough. He's raw. He's
0: got the tools. Exactly. And the other thing I love about him is, and I can't remember if I've mentioned it before or not, but I also heard Gazy talking about how Warwick Giddy keeps him on the straight and narrow and never lets him get too full of himself. So he's got he's got good support and he's got good backing. So quickly with the rules, Joey, coach's challenge.
1: I mean... They're all frustrating. The, the The coach's challenge is exactly the same sort of frustration as I've had in the NBA. Yeah. You use it and you lose it, whether yeah. you're successful yeah. or not.
0: Why? why should you be penalized for being successful for challenging? But you also lose your timeout. Yeah. So there's a disincentive to even use the challenge. Well, exactly. The timeouts are way more important than one play, arguably.
1: And then if you're successful... Yeah. What do you get?
0: Nothing. You Balls lose the, your timeout.
1: No, no, I'm saying if you're successful, what happens? Oh, you,
0: jump ball. You get, a,
1: you get a jump ball. Yeah,
0: yep. That's you know, not fair. No, it's not. It's... And there's been situations where it's you can clearly tell that it's gone out of bounds off a player, but they've ended up jumping it. Like, come on, guys. Common sense has to prevail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of jump balls, I know this is this is something that changed a little while back, but I still hate the alternate possession rule.
0: Oh, I've always hated the possession error.
1: Like, why is a jump ball all of a sudden not a cool thing in general play? It's though? great.
0: It's exciting. Nate Robinson beat Yao Ming once. Yeah. Like, it's it, exciting.
1: It gives teams a chance to play jump by crisscross or jump by Van Halen or jump around by House of Pain. Like, jump up, jump up and get down already.
0: Seriously. Uh, and then the intentional foul has been a bugaboo forever.
1: Yeah, they need to calm down on this. Every single foul at the end of the game is unsportsmanlike yeah. if you go by the letter of the law because the foul is to stop the clock.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the key, isn't it? It's not called intentional anymore. Now it's called unsportsmanlike. And, and I think that's a good key change. Because they are a lot of intentional fouls. Hmm. But you can't call them all intentional fouls. We have a free throw shooting contest forever.
1: I mean, based on the interpretation I'm hearing, every single off-the-ball foul should be called unsportsmanlike. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because yeah. they're not playing the ball because yeah. the ball's not
0: there. So. And I spoke about the huddle earlier. I heard Joe Ingalls on the huddle with Liam Santamaria, and he said the same thing. He said, I love the NBL, but the interpretation of, of unsportsmanlike is ridiculous.
1: Keep the rule for if someone clobbers someone else. Yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. I've seen fouls that are borderline fouls, let alone intentional fouls called as, as unsportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absurd. <sighs> it's the one thing holding the NBL back is the umpire. It is. Yeah.
1: But one thing that has really progressed quite a lot is the commentating.
0: Yeah, the commentary's been excellent. The only guy I don't like is the, and I forget his name, but he comes across as a bit of a sleazy used car salesman. He hosted the MVP last season. I can't think of his name, but everyone else, yeah, the commentary has been great. Jenny Screen, great player in her own right, has done some great boundary reporting. Um, Neroli Meadows as well is one of my favorites. She's excellent.
1: I think Liam Santamaria is probably the best commentator. Oh, he's cold. Yep. Best commentator the league's ever had. Well, yeah,
0: okay. Well, like, yeah. yeah. he No, he takes his job very seriously and he does a great job. What
1: I love about him is he seems to have an ability to speak to both seasoned fans and new followers of the game at the same time. Fair, yeah. And he he manages to include everyone. So, yeah. And he's also found a way to make Homicide Williams listenable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm warming to Corey too. Yeah. But maybe because he's warming to the Wildcats.
1: That's possible. <laughs> that is possible. And look, I don't mind Dwayne Russell's enthusiasm,
0: but he's a footy commentator. I, I don't mind Russell. He, he, he makes an effort.
1: Can I just say this, though? The absolute worst <laughs> catchphrase of all time, shebang! <laughs> oh, I can't stand that. Oh, it's up, uh, it's up there with Reggie Miller's welcome to your Kodak moment thing that he used to do, that uh, yeah. he just tried to force on everyone, yeah. and it just never took off. So, But no, look, the league is in a, a really, really good place.
0: The only shitty thing is when they show graphics with point guards and they show their rebounds but not their assists. Mm. what the hell is going on there yeah but yeah for the most part the nba was doing great things and moving in the right direction so we'll quickly talk about the nba all-star weekend it was all smooshed into one day
1: yeah we'll call it the smoosh parker all-star weekend it was a bit of a weird one yeah i suppose we've got to start with the skills contest won by Demana sabonis what are your thoughts on the skills contest
0: i fast forwarded the whole thing and it was very long Yeah, yeah, I'm not interested. I never watched the skills cup. Yeah,
1: I'm personally okay with that event being scrapped.
0: Yeah, he didn't even get out of his sweats. I don't think.
1: Who's the bonus? Yeah, I didn't even. There you go. I was paying that little attention. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: yeah. No, not not all that interested.
1: For me, the only exciting part of it's the bit at the end to see who can hit the three first. Yeah, yeah. That's the bit I don't mind. But but no one wants to see Nikola Vucevic dribbling around cutouts of people or trying to throw a pass into a net. Yeah. Like. I've Seen this really great suggestion that keeps coming up, which is a one on one competition. If you want something a bit gimmicky, one on one, first to 11, threes are worth two, twos are worth one, 5,000, you're disqualified. Simple. Why do they even need it well, at they, all? Well, I mean, I'm just talking if you're trying to pad out the, yeah, the, yeah. the event, yeah. or what about a horse competition?
0: Yeah, well, they've done that in the past,
1: they did that in the 70s, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was amazing. ABA and stuff, yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. I mean, either would be fun. Or extremely tedious, one or the other. Either <laughs> way, you're no know, worse off than what you are with the skills contest. Yeah, yeah. Just get rid of it. Yep. Now the dunk comp.
0: Yeah, historically woeful. Yeah. But
1: the Do worst, we need to say anymore. It's the worst dunk comp of all time.
0: Yeah, it was disgraceful.
1: Here's here's the thing, and here's why it was so bad. There's no big names in the contest to start with. Now, for comparison, every player in the three point shootout was an all star. Yep. There wasn't a single dunk that any of us will remember, except for when we see those random highlights on YouTube where it's talking about worst dunk comps ever.
0: <laughs> Look, there were a couple of good dunks, but as a competition, it was terrible. I think there was one
1: one good dunk, and that yeah. was Cassius. Dare I
0: say the guy that got eliminated? Ka- yeah,
1: Cassius Stanley. Yeah, self value yeah. between the legs with yeah. the non-preferred left hand. And
0: That's- I think Josh Smith gave him a seven for it. Josh Smith was very harsh with his marking.
1: His dunks were over, <laughs> were overblown when yeah. he won. yeah, yeah. He was just doing variations of windmills. Yeah. So, but no, the other thing is as well, there was no Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine or Aaron Gordon versus Derrick Jones Jr. rivalry. So Aaron Gordon getting
0: robbed on multiple yeah, occasions.
1: It's just, there was nothing to get excited about. Yeah, even the one dunk where it's like, oh, did you know, did Anthony Simons kiss the ring?
0: No, he no, didn't.
1: He missed it no, by about a foot. Didn't.
0: Yeah, by a long way.
1: It was like someone going in for a kiss at yep. a at a year six disco. <laughs> he shut uh, his eyes and missed by about a foot.
0: Yep. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, which is a shame. they got up high. It's a shame because yeah. it would have been a really it awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome dunk, but yeah.
1: Yeah, not good.
0: No, not at all.
1: The three-point shootout was good,
0: though. It was. It was.
1: Look, I'm still a bit iffy about the three-point line, but the money ball rack has grown on me. I never thought I would say that, but I, I don't mind the, the money ball rack.
0: Isn't that so emblematic of modern sport, though? We must inflate scores. Oh, absolutely. There's 10 more points on offer than, than there has been previously. Yep. Four extra money balls plus the two Mountain Dew balls that are worth three each. Let's try and inflate the scores as much as we can. Yes. Mm.
1: One of the good things, though, is that if you go onto a lot of things like the Wikipedia pages and all of that, they Actually, do almost show the
0: they talk about racks cleared, yeah. They talk yeah.
1: about the original scoring and or what it would have been out of 30 without a list, so I do like that. But yeah, look, really great competition. Anytime it comes down to the last ball or the last rack, you're onto a winner. Everyone, Steph Curry hitting yeah. the game winner, yeah. Everyone always thinks back to the Larry Bird shot in I think it was '86 or '88 Where when he it, turned
0: around and put the finger where he up. put the
1: finger up before yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. didn't even get out of the sweats either. Is
0: that the same one where he said who's coming second tonight? Oh, he probably
1: said that as well, but yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he
0: said that one year, I can't remember if that was the year,
1: but yeah. But it is great. I mean, look, Steph Curry deserved winner. He put up big numbers in both rounds, thirty-one and twenty-eight, as you said. A little bit inflated, but still, Curry actually won it six years ago. It's the first time anyone has ever won multiple competitions with a gap between the years they won it. Okay.
0: There so,
1: so Jason Capono, Page Stewart Jeff Hornacek, Craig Hodges, and Larry Bird all won theirs consecutively. Hornacek's two wins were over three years because there was a lockout in between. Ah, yes, yeah But nobody won one in between any of their uh, their first or seconds or thirds in the case of Hodges and Birds. So I thought that was kind of a, a, a random little thing there. Yeah,
0: it's one of my favorite parts of the whole All-Star experience. And it's so funny hearing Kenny like pretty much on every shot saying, oh he need this. He needs this. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, he needs every ball. Kenny. Exactly. You don't need to say it every time. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> But who, I did enjoy the commentary.
1: Who's Kenny gonna pick? Oh he's gonna come last. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I didn't see who he actually picked but he probably picked Jalen Brown.
0: I can't remember to be honest. Yeah yeah. Yeah, I've got to say, though, I enjoyed the interview with Zach Levine as well beforehand. I am warming to him. I might need to watch some more Bulls games. Yeah. <sighs> Pull the Band-Aid off. <laughs> yeah, good play, bad team. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm harsh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All
1: right, let's talk about the game itself. Now, I know exhibition games are not your cup of tea. It's team. pretty
0: common knowledge now for anyone that's listened to us on multiple occasions that pre-season, exhibition, anything that doesn't really have stakes, I'm not that interested... Pretty much about six minutes in, I hit the fast forward button after seeing several blown alley oops and bricked threes. Yeah. Yep. I think it's the sort of thing where I'll watch the extended highlights. There's always lots of highlights. But the lack of D as well, yeah. I just I just fast forwarded to the dunk comp and then got disappointed with that too.
1: What's wrong with sixty points in the second quarter?
0: Well, there's no D. <laughs> it's like, you know, layup lines, really. Like, yeah, no, sorry. No, fair. I, enough. I would have rather watched an NBL Cup game that had stakes. Fair, no. If I had my time again, that's so, fair. Yeah.
1: You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it. First things first, the rosters were stacked against team Durant. LeBron destroyed the draft. You know, anytime you've got Jokic and Ante Kumpo, you've got Luka Doncic is one of the, the greatest players that, that sort of come into this league in the last few years. And then you've got two of the best shooters in Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. I mean... How in God's name was Team Durant going to win? Well, Durant wasn't
0: even playing. Durant well.
1: wasn't playing, and and funny you mention that because the other big name missing was Joel Embiid. Yep. Now Ben Simmons obviously missing from Team LeBron, but I dare say Embiid was a bigger loss for. Well, for no, team I dare Europe. say I'll
0: use a phrase that you like. We've buried the lead on that one. Two players missing because of COVID.
1: Yeah, because they got a haircut.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that same thing that happened with the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think that shows why the players were against having this game at all.
1: Well, especially in Atlanta, where there's been a lot of issues and guys have really let their guard down. I mean, right, yeah. From from what I'm hearing, it's one of the worst cities in America for people just going on and... A lot of those southern advise.
0: states have governors that don't... Give a shit about COVID, basically. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, if you go back to Joel Embiid for a second, he's now got five 40.10 rebound games this season. The rest of the NBA has four. Yeah.
0: Yep. So He's uh, been a monster. He's a beast. And that's why he's
1: in the MVP. Oh, he's
0: just about top of the race, I reckon.
1: Yep. And then on the other side, you've got Kawhi Leonard, who looked like he didn't even want to be there. You've got Zion Williamson, who looked overawed by the whole thing. He missed some pretty easy dunks. And then Team LeBron has all this exuberance. I talked about, you know, Steph Curry. See Steph Curry throwing lobs to Chris Paul.
0: Yeah, yeah that was a nice little exchange. I and vice versa. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. cool, It's right? yeah. So
1: cool to see. And then the next minute, you know, Curry and Damien Lillard are trading half-court shots.
0: Yeah, I don't like that as much. Ah, oh, it's a bit of fun. When they're making them, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, when they're making yeah. them, yeah.
1: And then LeBron's throwing bounce alley-oops to Rudy Gobert, showing that he actually does like Utah. <laughs> so um yeah and then Giannis banking in three pointers and 16 of 16 from the field like it's it's just crazy his team was so much better on paper before they even started and they played even better
0: it it was amazing i will ask you this would have been much more balanced if it had been east west
1: well yeah probably not I dare say the West probably would have dominated. That yeah, as well. well, maybe not
0: dominated, but it would have been more. bad. well, I don't Durant know. and Embiid would still yeah, be out, and as, as would Ad- as, as, as would Sims. So yeah, that's true. Makes it even worse. Yeah,
1: I do have to ask this though, Nate. What is your thought on the whole target score in the fourth quarter?
0: Yeah, well, how long did the quarter last? When I mean, no one's playing any defense, you can get twenty-four points pretty damn quick, right?
1: Yeah, it was seven or eight minutes. Okay,
0: like. well, even that's longer than I expected. Yeah. yeah, look, I'm not a fan, really, but I'm not a fan of the whole thing. I don't really give a shit about the whole thing. Let's face it.
1: I mean, look, okay. It's cool, you know, add 24 points to your three-quarter time score to, you know, hold on to the memory of Kobe Bryant. I get that. It's kind of cool, but how long are they going to do that for? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Just let them play out the clock. Yeah. I actually think Kobe would have preferred that. Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah, yeah. I really do. And I want to make it clear. It should exist. Just because I don't like it, it should exist. It's the sort of thing I loved as a kid. It's a really good way to bring the kids into the game. But when there's all this other sport going on that's for stakes... I'd much rather watch that. Yeah.
1: No, no, fair, cool. Very yeah. cool. I will say it was great to see Mike Conley finally get an All Star berth. It was a shame that he was a an injury substitution for an injury substitution, but uh,
0: you know, it's it's still at the end of the day, it's still a career achievement.
1: It is. So yeah, that means three of the guys we mentioned last week as snubs ended up being selected.
0: Yeah. Even yeah. though natural justice, maybe. Yeah.
1: Obviously Booker then missed out, but look, Conley's been superb this year for Utah. They're top of the league. He had a ton of great years in Memphis. He, he deserved it, deserved to finally get yeah, it. Yeah, and he
0: enjoyed himself in the three-point comp too. He you did. Could, you could tell. Very, very unlucky yeah. not to
1: win it, actually. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. But the good news is, Nath, you get to wait another 12 months for another one of
0: those. Oh, uh, right? yeah.
1: <laughs> so, as we head into the second half of the season, we've got a no, relatively big transaction. So Blake Griffin has been bought out by the Detroit Pistons and has officially signed with the worst-kept secret in the league.
0: No surprise. The
1: stacked Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yep, it always happens in buyout season.
1: What are your thoughts?
0: I don't know how helpful he'll be for them. I think he's basically going to be a backup center to DeAndre Jordan. He's just going to be there for dunks. But does he dunk anymore?
1: Well, it's been two seasons yeah, since he has. Yeah. A... It's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, he's not a great defender. Brooklyn kind of already have that in spades in terms of guys that can't defend. He's an average three point shooter at best, but does the fact that he's going to have a whole lot of free looks? You think about the defense collapsing on Durant, Irving, and Harden.
0: Well, he might finally get those dunks.
1: He might, yeah, Yeah. because he's going to be the fourth or fifth option on that team when he's on the court. Yeah. So it might actually play to his, you know, It might play to his benefit that he actually ends up getting a lot of really good looks.
0: Well, he's ring chasing, clearly. I I think he would have fit in with the Lakers better, especially with AD out. He would have got a lot of opportunity. But, yeah, look, he'll probably get a ring now. Well,
1: it's probably his best ever chance at really. yeah. And speaking of the Lakers, there's actually a lot of chatter about that they will go after Andre Drummond when the Cavs buy him out. Well, that, that
0: wouldn't be at all surprising. Yeah, yeah. if that
1: does happen. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been rumored. So. The
1: rich get richer and the poor. Yeah, poorer. and
0: look, it always happens in buyout season. And look, I can't complain too much because the Spurs have benefited from it in the past. So it does. True. Yeah, it does happen.
1: Now we just want to round out the basketball with something really, really crazy. From TJ McConnell.
0: Oh yeah. Not Massive hats off! A, not
1: a name that we thought we'd be mentioning on this show. Bruce. I've always been
0: a big fan though, and I was devastated when he left Philly because I thought he was a good piece for them.
1: Mm. So TJ McConnell, for people who haven't seen, had a triple double with steals yes. against the Cavs last week. Yep. sixteen points, thirteen assists, ten steals, and four rebounds. The eleventh triple double with steals in NBA history, but the first and only with the player doing so off the bench. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah.
0: That's 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 very impressive.
1: Now, in contrast. Four players have recorded triple-doubles off the bench with blocks. Tree Rollins, Mark Eaton, Sean Bradley, and Hassan Whiteside. He also joins Bo Outlaw, Draymond Green, Russell Westbrook, Nikola Jokic, and Evan Turner as guys to record a triple-double with 100% shooting in the three-point era.
0: Bo Outlaw, there's a guy I haven't thought of in a Beau long time. <laughs> I liked him too, yeah. Four of four from the field he
1: was. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, but only Westbrook, Turner, and Wes Unsell back in the day did so without missing a free throw as well. Yeah, okay. Now, he set an NBA record for steals and a half with nine, and the 10 steals are one short of the NBA record held by Kendall Gill and Larry Keenan. In looking at this, though, I actually saw that Clyde Drexler had 26 points, 11 assists, 10 steals, and nine rebounds in a loss to the Bucs in 1986, and 25, 10, 10, and nine for the Rockets' opening night against Sacramento in 1996. Mm. There's a few other guys. Larry Steele of the Portland Trailblazers had 12, 11, 10, and nine rick barry larry bird michael ray richardson a few of these guys missed quadruple doubles by one steal or one rebound
0: and Akeem's one was initially not counted as a triple double but they reviewed the footage after if i'm not mistaken Uh,
1: it was actually the other way around he he actually had one that was uh, oh and then he got it the next night that was credited yeah yeah so get this so this was one of the most remarkable stat lines i've ever seen 29 points, 18 rebounds, 11 blocks, 9 assists, one of them was overturned denying him that quadruple double. Yeah, that's right. And 5 steals without a single turnover. Wow. There've been 22 of those 5 by 5 games in NBA history. A larger one has
0: six of them. And Andre Kirilenko had a few, I think. Kirilenko he? had a few, yeah. 47, exactly. yeah. He did. Yeah, he was a he was a stat stuffer, yeah.
1: And as a tease, we've got a this week in sports coming around the uh around the corner about this topic in a couple of weeks with a very huge stat line. So oh, there you go. stay tuned. And now, what made Stew say bloody hell? Now, before we get into the bloody hell for this week, a bit of an update on a previous bloody hell.
0: Ooh.
1: You might recall a few weeks ago, back in January, that drunken idiot in New Zealand who wandered out into the racetrack right in front of a group of riders oh, heading his yes, way. Yes, of course. Well, Justin Bergman is his name, and he fronted court last Thursday, avoided jail time. Instead, he got hit with an $8,880 fine and 100 hours of community service after pleading guilty to creating a public nuisance. Hmm.
0: Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Community service. Yep.
1: Now, the bloody hill this week stays at the racetrack. Yes. And it also stays in our lovely hometown of Perth. A lady decided to celebrate International Women's Day a little bit too early on Sunday by doing a celebratory lap around Gloucester Park in her Subaru Impreza four-wheel drive. Mm. Fortunately, the race that had just started hadn't reached that part of the track yet. And on top of the fact that the driver nearly hit a clerk of the course on the way down to the track, she then refused to get out of the car, saying that there was a bomb in the car. But the reality was the only bomb was, was the car butt? itself.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was what her butt?
0: Yeah, I was Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh. Your butt. Your, <laughs> your butt is the bomb.
1: Oh, I completely missed that. <laughs> Oh dear. No, she was swiftly arrested with police not charging her because what the hell do you charge her with?
0: Uh, I'm sure they could dig up something. Stupidity Public of driving this.
1: Yeah. It's probably Drug a pro-
0: driving, there's, technically, probably.
1: There's probably a lot of things. Maybe that's Yeah. Literally. Seven News managed to interview two of the most Aussie blokes there about the incident. One of them was quoted as saying, Oh, Jesus, there's a car on the track. <laughs>
0: It literally sounded like that. You know why, though? Because they knew it would make international media. So it's like, let's find the most Aussie people we can when yep. it hits international,
1: yeah. Yep. So for this act of sheer-ass clownery, all I can say is bloody hell. Bloody hell.
0: Now, we need to talk about cricket a little bit, should we? Yeah,
1: there's a bit going on. We've just spoken about how it was International Women's Day yesterday. I saw something saying that there were 73 statues of male cricketers out there, but none of female cricketers. mm That's just not right, is it?
0: No. Taylor Harris has played like a handful of games and she gets a statue. And then there's all these wonderful female cricketers from decades and decades and none of them. Yeah, Yeah. it's weird. I would
1: say start with Betty Wilson, Belinda Clark and Karen Rolton and kind of go from there. I think also equally important is Faith Thomas. In 1958, she became the first Indigenous woman to represent Australia
0: in any sport. Oh, absolutely. She She should have a... At the G... Exactly. the G. Yeah.
1: And then there's someone from our high school, actually Zoe Goss.
0: Yes, once dismissed Brian Lara in a game.
1: And Jeffrey Dujon in the same game. Ah, okay. She I forget that. Two for 60 off her 10 overs. Yeah, she yeah. also made 29 in that. Funnily enough, she was stumped off the bowling of Brian Lara. Ah, there
0: you go. So there you I go. Did. I forgot she went to our school. She did, yeah. There you go. She yeah. did.
1: So look, there's a lot of really great options and I think it's well and truly overdue. Over
0: due, well overdue, yeah. yes.
1: So yeah. hopefully, I think there's already talk about the first one going up. So fingers crossed there'll be at least one in you know, every major capital. Well, city. You made
0: some strong cases there for several. Definitely. So Cam Green isn't the only one making headlines in the Sheffield Shields, Jimmy, but boy, is he making headlines in domestic cricket. <sighs> boy, is he
1: ever, honestly. 251 run knock against the Queenslanders, 29 fours and five sixes.
0: That was on the back of a really good one-day match that he had and a double-ton in club cricket, too. So he is in red-hot form, Cam Green.
1: Absolutely. Matty Renshaw made 139 in reply to that. And Travis Head had a nearly a runner ball, 223 last week against WA. Cam Green had 168 not out in that one.
0: The craziest thing about Travis Head in that match is he had six at lunch and he finished on 189 not out for the day.
1: Reasonable last session. Fucking yes. hell.
0: That's, that's insane. Yeah, that
1: is nuts. Then you've got Moises and Reeks had 141 for New South Wales against Victoria. Peter Hanscom had a pretty patient 124 in reply. He's still
0: young. He could make his way back into the team.
1: Joey Burns had 171 against Tassie for Queensland. when
0: the pressure's off.
1: Usman Kawaja made 115 in the second dig for the Bulls. Essentially, there's a ton of fringe test players making big runs right now. And there's fuck all in terms of results. 14 matches. Yeah, as I said last week. Seven. Seven results out of 14. And
0: that's why there's big scores. WA made a sporting declaration against Queensland and then they proceeded to make a 600. 600 themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, not great.
0: So India only needed one innings in the final test against England to make their way into the Test Championships, Joey Yes, England
1: 205 and 135, defeated by India 365 and innings in 25 runs. No real surprise there. Certainly a much better pitch
0: than the third test, though. <laughs> well, it didn't look like a cigarette.
1: So pretty decent start. But no, still a good wicket for the spinners. England's pace attack actually did fare a little bit better, though. I mean, Stokes and Anderson bowled quite well, I thought. They toiled hard. It's just the case of India being too good.
0: And Axar Patel on his home pitch.
1: Yeah, pretty uh, pretty handy spinner, isn't
0: he? Yeah, four or five wicket hauls in the series. Debut mm. series. Mm-hmm. Very good.
1: But just like the Aussies before him, mean, England can't play spin or bat time very well, unless it rains. <laughs> so, yeah, a little surprise that this happened, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. India at home. Hard to
1: bet. Yeah. Now, there is a return series coming up at some stage. England will be better at home, but they should start doctoring some swinging pitches right now that do do (laughs) not spin. That's their only
0: chance. Yeah, Yeah. that will help.
1: Now, a couple of notes for England. Johnny Bairstow had another duck. Mm. So that's now six in his last nine innings against India.
0: Poor form.
1: But he's not a number three batsman. No, not at all. So he should be coming in around six. Yeah. The problem is there aren't enough quality batsmen in the squad for him to be able to
0: do so. Well, and they're using this resting policy too.
1: Exactly. Yep. And with that, he's probably played his last test for England.
0: Quite possibly.
1: Don Bess, he was another one, expected to slot straight in and take huge amounts of wickets because he's a spinner. That didn't work
0: out. Yeah, well, he just wasn't landing him. He was throwing full tosses and mm-hmm. he just had really poor consistency. Yep. So they couldn't play him. A lot of unplayable, yeah.
1: Yep. And everyone's so blinded by the 218 and 40 that Joe Root made in the first test that they forget that he made 6, 33, 17, 19, five, and 30 the rest of the way. Mm. So one half century in the whole series and an average of less than 19 after the first test from a guy who's supposedly one of the best batsmen in the world.
0: Well, he did better with the ball. He did. Yeah.
1: Steve Smith had three centuries in his last tour of India.
0: Yep. So, oh, Smith's a better player than Root.
1: Well, he is, but yeah. it, it, there was a lot of talk that Root was, oh, yeah, the, yeah, up yeah. There Root, Root had
0: some good form for a while, but it didn't sustain. No,
1: nah. for India, the second time ever that Virat Kohli's had two ducks in a series, the last time in England 2014.
0: Yeah, at home, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah, that's huge.
1: But I think the big story for them, Rishabh Pant and, was- oh. and Washington Sundar.
0: Oh, how can you not love Rishabh Pant? So good, so good.
1: Let me tell you uh, something amazing that I read. So it was a tweet from a guy named Sam Landsberger. Rishab Pant's father bought him a $250 bat when he was eight years old. Wow. His mother wasn't too happy at the hold that it put in the family savings as they shared a one-room house in Roorhi, which is just north of Delhi. Fast forward 15 years and Rishab is reversing Jimmy Anderson with the new ball.
0: Oh, uh, it's, it's quite a story, isn't it? Yeah. Money well spent. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And Pant himself became just the second wicket-keeper batsman to score Test centuries in England, Australia, and India.
0: MS who? Donnie. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I know what he's yeah, like don't he <laughs>
1: But this, the the second guy ever. And yeah. The, oh Adam, yeah. Adam yeah, Gilchrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other yeah, one. So yeah. it, he has been phenomenal. I'll tell you what, though, how different it could have all been. He was given not out on a very close LBW shout on 35, when I reckon 90. of the bottom half of the ball was hitting the stumps. Oh, I wish I saw it. It's one that absolutely should have been given out. Mm,
0: I'll have a look at that one.
1: Uh, That would have made it 7 for 152. Now, I know Washington Sundar made 96 and Axar Patel made 43. But 7 for 152 is a lot different to 7 for 259. Mm. All of a sudden, England kind of have a chance of taking a lead after the first innings, and it's a very different game. So, again, I despise this umpire's call bullshit.
0: Well, they're removing it. Good. So it's, it is going. The sooner
1: the better, yeah. quite frankly.
0: Yeah, The sooner the better.
1: It, speaking of him, great segue, Washington Sundar. <laughs> His bowling was okay, but that 96 not out he made, combining with Rishabh Pant for 113 and another 106 with Patel, that's the difference in the match. Mm. He, he took wickets. He made crucial runs in the fourth test in Brisbane as well. He has turned into this amazing batting all-rounder to come in at eight.
0: Yeah, yep. Jesus, they're deep in Well, it goes back to that comment that Greg Chappell made on the great cricketer, that they could have the best five teams in the world if they got themselves organised. And he, of course, coached the team for a few years too in the early 2000s. Yep. So he would know.
1: He would. But no, unfortunately, this now means that due to the slow over rates, the Aussies are now out of that random one-off test thing that will decide who the best test nation is, which Yeah, even though really all shit. the nations
0: have played different amounts of yeah. games and the West Indies isn't a nation at all. And who cares? Yeah. So... Just because we didn't make it.
1: (laughs) And then quickly speaking of the Aussies, just finished the five-match T20 series against New Zealand. Yeah,
0: the longest T20 series of all time. At the Stamps. Why do they need more than two weeks to play five matches? No idea. Like, the the most your bowl is four overs. Hmm. The most your bat is 120 balls, and that would have to be an opener, and it never happens. Yep. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous.
1: Very weird series, though. Like as we were recording last week, the Aussies were down two nothing. Devon Conway had ninety nine off fifty nine in the first game. Martin Guptill had ninety seven off fifty in the second. Massive partnership between Marcus Stoinis and Daniel Sams who fell just short of yeah, chasing yeah, down yeah. two hundred and nineteen.
0: Then everyone was calling for the heads of Finchie and Maxi, and then they came out and blasted.
1: Well, that's it. Maxwell had made one and three, and Finch had one and twelve in the first two matches. Yep. Nothing from our biggest hitters. You got to remember, Finch has two of the top three scores ever in T Twenty eyes, and Maxwell has the fourth highest. Oh,
0: that knock against England was magnificent. Insanity. That Finch one, yeah.
1: Look, they responded. They both had huge knocks in Game Three. Finch backed it up in Game Four as well. Both Aussie wins. But nothing from Maxwell and a, a little bit of a start from Finchie in game five. It's also worth noting that the other opener, which was Matthew Wade or Josh Philippe, they combined an average of 11.2 at a strike rate of just 111. So yeah, not- now they're
0: baying for, for for Wade's place, aren't they?
1: Well, exactly.
0: Yeah, And a massive hats off to Ash Agar, who had a six-far.
1: Yeah, the first Aussie to ever take six for in a T20i, only the fifth six wicket haul ever, and the first by a non subcontinent bowler as well. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. A, a really, really interesting effort.
0: Incredible economy, right, too. So,
1: he did. He yeah. did bowl very, very well. I suppose it, it begs the question, and we'll come back to that series in a second, but it comes back to the question with a World Cup coming up fairly soon. Do we bring in the likes of Stark Cummins and Hazelwood because they take wickets? Or do we prefer guys with better change ups like your Jai Richardson and your Daniel Sams, who can also swing the bat?
0: Certainly, nice to have those blokes waiting in the wings if we need them, isn't it?
1: (sighs) It's it's such a dilemma, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. It Uh, it really is. I mean, and you feel like whatever decisions made will be wrong. Well, it's just bound to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: It's
1: just bound to be. But but just quickly going back to that series, one really key thing that I noticed in the whole series with the middle overs, so namely seven to sixteen. In the three matches that New Zealand won, they went at 10.66 runs and over in that middle period. In the two they lost, 6.45. Mm. Huge difference. So, it adds up. yeah, being able to restrict them in those middle overs was the difference. Yep. It's, it's as simple as that. And on the, the, the flip side, I guess, of, of the bowling attacks, Mitchell Santner in particular, super economical in most of the, the matches continuing in this line of New Zealand spinners who do basically nothing with the ball.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And you've always a, been a big fan of Dan Vittori. See,
1: Daniel Vittori. <laughs> uh, I don't understand it. Ish Sodi had a cracker in pretty much all of them, 13 wickets across five matches. We couldn't pick him. Even when he was Ish Soda, was bowling pies, <laughs> we, we were still putting him down long on's throat. Like, it just, we just couldn't get past him. It was <laughs> ridiculous. So, yeah. Look, thoroughly deserved series win for the Kiwis. A very, very great effort. Look forward to hopefully returning the favour if they ever come back. I think it
0: might be their first T20-I series win against the Aussies.
1: Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. uh, We're
0: probably lucky to even take two in the end. We
1: probably were, to be honest. But but no, well done to the Kiwis. And now, this week in Sport History. March eleventh, 1980, the second test between Australia and Pakistan at Faisalabad ends up in a boring draw after Australia makes 617 and Pakistan reached 2 for 382 in reply. What makes this interesting, though, is that Rod Marsh bowls 10 overs for 51 runs as the wicketkeeper, with all 11 members of the Australian team bowling. This was one of only four test matches where that's ever occurred, though, where a team has bowled every single player. The last time this actually occurred was South Africa's Tour of the West Indies. In the fourth test, the Windies made 747, with Mark Mark Boucher taking one for six off his 1.2 overs. Amazingly, though, the first time that this ever occurred was the third test of the 1884 Ashes, where England's wicketkeeper Alfred Littleton took off the gloves and ripped through the Aussie lower order, taking four for 19 off 12 overs. (laughs) What's even crazier about that series, though, is that in the second test, Tup Scott was batting quite well for, for the Australians on 75, but one of the English fieldsmen had to leave the field due to an injury. So they had to use a substitute fieldsman. But they didn't have one. So the substitute fielder ended up being Australian captain Billy Murdoch. What? Who ended up taking a catch to remove Topscott? No. The first ever instance in test cricket where a player was removed by a substitute fielder and it From happened to be team. his own team. Wow. It was his own captain. Wow. This was the only match of the series that yielded a result and England won the series 1-0 with the Jeez. Aussies in dominant positions in the other two before the end of the 3-day tests.
0: Jeez. March 13th, 1915, during Summer League, Brooklyn Dodgers slash Robins manager Wilbert Robinson saw stunt pilot Ruth Law dropping golf balls from the sky for a nearby golf course and decided that she should drop a baseball for him to catch in an effort to drum up interest in the Summer League. Instead, though, Law dropped a grapefruit using part of her lunch after realising post-takeoff that they didn't actually have a baseball in the plane. Robinson managed to get under the grapefruit and catch it, but then panicked when the fruit disintegrated on impact and he thought he was bleeding. In fact, Robinson screamed that he was bleeding to death. (laughs) (laughs) Drama queen, much? And needed his players to explain that he was okay. Spring training has been known as the Grapefruit League ever since. And also, we love the ridiculous names, don't we, Stewie? There's some great ones. We Brooklyn. some crackers here, though. Yeah, well, they're now the LA Dodgers, but they were the Brooklyn Dodgers, as well as the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers, <laughs> the Brooklyn Superbers, the Brooklyn Grooms, and the Brooklyn Bridegrooms.
1: Loves <laughs> a good wedding.
0: Oh, they clearly do. Hey, still not as bad as Jack Jumpers.
1: It's, it's pretty close though. <laughs> Imagine the Tasmanian Trolley Dodgers. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> March 14th, 1969, West Indian cricketer Seymour Nurse scores 258 in his last test cricket innings in the third test between the Windies and New Zealand at Christchurch. This remains the highest score ever made in an individual's last ever test innings. Two others have reached 200 in their final innings though, Aravinda de Silva in 2002 and the great Jason Dizzy Gillespie in oh, yeah. 2006
0: against Bangladesh.
1: Both against Bangladesh. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Gillespie actually brought up his double century on his 31st birthday to go with his 3 for 11 off 5 overs in the first innings and his present was Dan Cullen bowling more overs than him in the second innings and never playing for Australia
0: again. Neither of them. Yeah. March 15th, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain becomes the first and only player in NBA history to score 4,000 points in an NBA season, doing so at an average of 50.4 points per game to go with a tidy 25.7 rebounds, by the way. And this was, of course, the season he scored 100 points in a game, as we mentioned last week. This isn't where the craziness finishes though. He did so averaging a whopping 48.5 minutes per game. Yes, that's right. He actually averaged more minutes than there is in a standard NBA game. The Philadelphia Warriors competed in seven overtime games that season and Wilt played less than a full quarter of minutes just once on January 3rd, 1962. And that's just because he was ejected with eight minutes left in a one point loss to the Lakers. These were literally the only eight minutes Wilt missed all season, thus the 48.5 average. And it's even crazier when you remember that they didn't have chartered Jets then. So the Warriors played 13 back-to-backs, eight back-to-back-to-backs, twice with four games in four days, and then a mid-January stretch in which they played five games in five nights where they went from Detroit to Philly to Boston to Philly to Utica. To put this all into perspective, the only other player to even score 3,000, a whole thousand or less in a single season was Jordan in 1986-87. And Jordan sits second on the list of most 50-point games with 31, while Wilt had 45 of them in that one season alone. To top that all off, Wilt didn't even win the MVP that year, going to Bill Russell, who averaged 18.9 points per game and 23.6 rebounds per game. Third place was Oscar Robinson, who averaged a triple-double that year.
1: How he doesn't win MVP, I do not understand.
0: Well, all I can think is eye test and context versus stats. Fifty point four. I know, I know, I know, I know. How does the eye test fail that? Know, well, you know. Now, I know I say it every time, Shui, but we do need to mention the fact that that was pre-offensive goaltending, and Wilt was apparently or reportedly notorious for goaltending his own teammates and then getting the points. He himself. played
1: by the rules, Nathan. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: But it is worth noting.
1: How does he not win MVP? Seriously,
0: <laughs> you'll never let that it's go. A
1: bloody joke. This week in sport history.
0: So let's race through the AFL as the season for the blokes gets closer and closer. Good news for Willy Rioli.
1: Yeah. geez, It only took 243 years, but we finally have a verdict on the Willy Rioli saga. The anti-doping tribunal handing down a two year suspension backdated to August 20, 2019, which means that Rioli will be eligible to play this season. His dad's actually told reporters that Rioli's is in better shape now than when he was suspended. So it sounds like he is very keen to restart his career. It's about time, and it's, it's a miracle he's got through this without his mental state being compromised.
0: Well, it's a miracle he didn't get a longer punishment. Interesting. So I heard Ben Cameron, who is an Eagles fan too, I believe, on the radio the other morning, and he said that the standard punishment for tampering with a sample is four years. Willie did it twice. Plus he had a charge of weed, which is probably why he tampered. So he can consider himself very, very lucky. We know how important precedence is in punishment. He dodged a bullet. So I know Eagles fans think it was a long time, but arguably... Do you know why they
1: probably gave him two years? Because they fucked him around for so long.
0: Well. They probably just felt bad about the whole thing. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. But that was really interesting to hear. Hmm. Yeah. So he dodged a bullet, actually.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. After all of that, I've got a fresh appreciation for what Bombers fans went
0: through. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, I guess the next key talking point is the Zach Williams bump, which has been making the rounds. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Oh, it's borderline, isn't it? So he's been given a week. He will miss round one. That has, he's failed his appeal. So that's set in stone. It was borderline. I've watched it a few times now. I don't know how I feel, actually.
1: One of the, the really great things I saw though was Mark Robinson on AFL 360 he made the point that this should have been given more than a week. And I actually couldn't agree more. Contact to the head. He's left the ground to make the contact. And as Robo mentioned, we've spent all summer talking about concussions and he gets a week. He also mentioned that guys who try and trip, you know, guys that whole attempt to trip is a week as well. I'm with him 100% on this. We've seen what can happen with delayed concussions. We've got to protect the head.
0: Yeah, fair, fair. Like,
1: Like how can the AFL be so far one way with the Andrew Gaff hit on Andrew Brayshaw and so far the other way on this? That's my thoughts. So you, you could even argue the intent was worse because he's absolutely lined him up. Whereas we still don't even know if Gaff tried to hit him in the face or if it was upper body. Yeah. It just kind of ducked. So I don't know. I, I'm I really... Oh, look, Gaff, he's still going on about
0: Gaff, are you? No.
1: <laughs> Gaff, he hit him in the face. He got his, He, yeah, he yeah. took his punishment. Yeah. No, look, but I'm just made, saying, you've, like, made it,
0: you've made a good point. I'm
1: just saying, like... The, he he the, should
0: probably have got away.
1: The intent with that bump was 100% to hit him in the head. Absolutely 100%. I just don't see how you can't protect the head if you're gonna, yeah. you know, if if going back to the gap, if Gaff gets eight weeks for for punching a guy in the jaw, which is not going to lead to a concussion. Obviously, it leads to a broken jaw, which is still
0: shit out. Yeah, I think I, I think a punch is seen as a more aggressive act than a bump. I think that's what it comes which down. Which is to. absurd because a I, yeah, a concussion- rightly or wrongly, that's. Yeah, because the elbow to the head could kill him. Well, it was more it's more a shoulder though, I think, than the elbow. But yeah, I don't, yeah. I
1: don't know about that. I, yeah. I think that should have been a couple. It's yeah, it's not a good look.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of clashes to the head, Stewie, there's a big one in the uh, Derby there.
1: The Derby, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, the Nat Fife and Zach Langdon thing. I don't understand this.
0: I think it's just bad umpiring. Two,
1: two blokes yeah. head down, crush each other in the in the head and they pluck a free kick out to Nat yeah. I These contests where guys attack the footy and bump heads never result in a free kick, it's always play on. And even with the Eagles fans' glasses on, I'm struggling to find a world where this is a free kick.
0: I suspect this is one of the old uh, calling what you think you see rather than calling what you see umpiring moments.
1: Okay, so I'm not blind then.
0: Oh, it was a head scratcher, mm. Definitely.
1: Now, we've got a, a bit of a, a shocking injury. We've got a few pretty rough injuries to, to start. The yeah, year. as
0: I always say, you're just happy to get out of preseason injury free. Yeah.
1: I suppose the big one is Cam Rayner for Brisbane. Done. So, yeah, it looks like he's going to miss the whole season. It's been confirmed that he has an ACL
0: tear. There's always one. There's it, always one.
1: It's easy to forget. He's a former number one draft
0: pick. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, important in that team that had a deep finals run.
1: Really important. He's a bloke that averaged a goal a game for them last year. Yep. he's a walk-up starter. You know, going into his fourth year, he's kind of ready to make that really big leap. He's the sort of guy who could conceivably be an All Australian at some stage. They but,
0: could cover him with Joey Danaher going there, provided he can stay injury-free. But uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But no, really tragic news. Some slightly better news though for Rory Lobb.
0: Yes, he'll still be out for an extended period. And he's very important, set up in the ruck and going forward for the Dockers. So absolutely, but you know, would have been a season when though. you yeah when yes. you saw his knee yeah. buckled over. You, oh, it did not look good. It yeah. twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So early work. in the game too. Yeah.
1: So they've officially named it as an ACL strain and significant damage to the posterolateral corner of his knee. Yeah. So whatever that it is, doesn't sound good. Two months. But two
0: months is better Long than enough. Better than the whole but season. But yeah, it is. It is. it
1: yep. is. And unfortunately, we have to wrap this up with a pretty nasty injury out of the AFLW. Nikki Gore, the Adelaide Crows defender, has broken her ankle a couple of minutes into an 85-15 to 15 smashing of the Gold Coast Suns. Look, it, it, it's not a it's not a great thing to see, but she's already started the recovery. She's very positive about the outlook. She's ready to get into it next
0: season. It is sad, though, because Adelaide are one of the teams that are vying for the women's premiership.
1: They very much are. And, yeah. you know, we, we did sort of speak off air, I guess, about the the gap between the, the haves and the have-nots in the AFLW. I mean...
0: A lot of lopsided scores on the weekend.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, good to see that each game had one team kick at least seven goals. I mean, one of the early criticisms, I guess, of the AFLW was... Quite often, it was two goals to one or three goals to two. So the, the score lines were generally 22 to 12. Or, I guess, if you look at the quality of sides like Collingwood, Brisbane, and Fremantle, and then you, you sort of weigh that up against the Gold Coast, West Coast, and Geelong teams, there's a pretty big imbalance. Yeah, 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 there is. But, you know, the, the quality is getting a lot better. And, and obviously, you know, We'll go back to Nikki Gore. Obviously, it is it is such a, a shame seeing such a, a you know huge up and coming star in in Gore go down, and and hopefully her uh, her ankle will heal quite
0: quickly. It's good that she's got a positive attitude. Very very true. All right, sure, you know what that music means. What are you have for?
1: Well, look, it's got to be in Pumalanda versus Northwest in the CSA three-day Provincial Cup in South <laughs> Africa. No, look, I'm, I'm pretty keen to see the India-England ODIs and see how they go. I'm, I'm hoping that some of those ODIs will go longer than the tests. Probably. Um, there's also a couple of beauties coming up in the NBL Cup. You've got Southeast Melbourne versus Melbourne United tomorrow night, Sydney and Illawarra on Thursday. And can the Wildcats hold on and win it? Meh. Nah. <laughs>
0: how
1: about yourself, mate? It's
0: It's March Madness, baby! Can't wait for that college ball. Checking the wingspan of some. Yeah, had to wait a whole year for it. But until next time, I'm Nate and I'm Stu. We are the Sportplex.